The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. Toy and welcome once again to a came from radio for show the back Con. This is your host Mark Torres speaking with me via virtual distancing. We have none other than fishy sarcasms, Dominic Definition Man Serrano. Gobble gobble gobble, everybody. We have our senior correspondent, Charlie Saladino. Hello, fun seekers. And we have from D Life with Genergy, uh, Jenny Felby. Good evening. So on this week's show, we're going to have another Jaybird and Lee segment. Um, our senior correspondent, Charlie Saldino, has a mini-interview with uh, Jay Lipson from the Huracan, and I have an interview with uh, Desiree Proctor and Erica Harrell from uh, the new comic, Nuclear Power. Before we do any of that, we have to take it away with the news. It's Morphin' Time! News is brought to you in part by the fine folks at the Big Apple Con, which we are the official radio show celebrating over 25 years of comic bookness and pop culture stuff. More information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. The next convention, which is the Big Apple Trading Card Show, which will be on January 29th of 2022. And also, I want to, our show is <clears throat> brought to you in part by the fine folks at sci-fi.radio, which is sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. And I want to give our shout-outs for our Patreons, of which there are. Danny Grillo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday Famous Dresden Media, Unjikun, Shadow Rabbit Art, The Hurricane, Yasmin Ray, and Rosa. You want to get your own little shout-out? Go to our brand spanking new website, www.camefromradio.com, and there's a little button on there to join us on Patreon, and just for a dollar a month, you can get a shout-out on our show. Also on our website, on the other side, which is on the left-hand side, there's a little coffee button so you can buy us a coffee. And I mention this because we have another person who bought us a virtual pizza, which is part of the, of the virtual coffees. Uh, Jennifer, if you remember, she bought us uh, pizzas before. She bought five more virtual pizzas and says, quote, regarding my newfound creativity, I'm currently ordering coffee by the slice. It's a bit thick, but, as, but I've not lost my spoon in it since it stands straight up. With this much coffee, I don't have time to sleep anymore and can get all sorts of things done, like reading comic books and listening to the radio. Thanks for the inspiration. So there, there you go. So thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. I'm getting a lot away from all this pizza. And yeah, it's, it's a lot. So thanks, though. It's, a, it's virtual pizza, so there's no calories involved. Well, I don't know. I virtual week. Yes. Uh, virtual. It feels real. It feels very real. But what's real and what's not? You know, Her, I mean, Avatar is I, getting chunky. <laughs> the, cal- the calories identify as real, so they're real. There you go. <laughs> I learned once from my first girlfriend that the calories don't count if you don't enjoy them. Oh. Or if you stand up, if you eat while standing up, or if you eat ice cream and just put it on a teaspoon, like it doesn't count. If you don't put it in a bowl, it doesn't count. She was eating a cookie. She's like, I don't like that cookie. The calories don't count. I'm like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think it works that way. She's like, it works. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was a moment like in Ego Montoya, like, you keep saying that. I don't think it means what you think it means. 
So let's start with the sad news. All right, yeah. Actor <laughs> Art Lafleur died recently from Parkinson's disease. Art is one of those "quote unquote" that guy actors who appeared in such films as "Rescue from Gilligan's Island," which I distinctly remember him being in, "Any Which Way You Can," "In Custody of Strangers," "Jekyll and Hyde," "Together Again," "The Invisible Woman," "War Games," "Sins of the Past," "Transfers," and a sequel, "Transfers Part 2, "The Man with One Red Shoe," "The Fifth Missile," "Cobra," "The Wrong Guys," "Field of Dreams," "Air America," "Acting Sheriff," "Mr. Baseball," "The Sandlot," "Man of the House," "Lewis and Clark and George." The garbage picking, field gold kicking. Oh, I cut that off. And something. Uh, Beethoven's fourth. <laughs> the sense. I, I know there was something else that goes on with the field gold kicking, and it's, it's just not there on my list. Uh, Santa Claus Part Two, and it's sequel to Santa Claus Part Three. Bad Guy, Speed Racer, Ace Ventura Junior, Pet Detective, Dahmer versus Gacy, A Snow Globe Christmas, and Dive, just to name a few. Uh, he was a, a spry seventy-eight years old. Now, uh, senior correspondent Charlie Saldana, do you remember uh, Rescue from Gilligan's Island? No. So, for those of you who don't no, know, no, I, I, he's probably one of those guys. If I he saw, was, him. he was the Russian guy. He was the, he was one of the bad guys. If you remember anything about Gilligan's Island when they brought back the reunion movie, he was one of the two Russian guys. It was one of those guys. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. well there like, goes like, your theory. But yes, he was. One, he just had that look. They're like, "Oh yeah, that guy." You see him all over the place. No, like I said, if I I seen the poor guy, I would. Uh, yeah, I would know who he was. So, uh, moving on for some more sad news. Oh, Boys, you're not going to ask the rest of us if we know this person. Well, I know Jenny Feldy does not know. Thank you. <laughs> Fishy well, sarcasms, good. Dominic Definition Ranch Toronto. Are you an Art Lafleur fan? I can't say that I'm an Art Lafleur fan. However, once Googling him and seeing his face, as you said, yeah, I'm like, oh, it's that guy. <laughs> I've seen this guy in like numerous things, as you're saying. He definitely strikes a chord. I remember him being um, in this movie with Chevy Chase and Justin Taylor Thomas or Jonathan Taylor Thomas, where Chevy Chase plays like an upcoming stepdad and Farrah Fawcett plays the mom. So I remember him in like, several different movies. Okay. It says that he died of Parkinson's, but the truth is, and it's a, it's a, incorrect. You can't actually die from Parkinson's. You die from complications of, Parkinson, right. of Parkinson's because most likely what happens, you have a difficult time swallowing. You start aspirating uh, your own saliva or water, and then you might get pneumonia, things like that. But Parkinson's right. itself can't actually kill you. The falling is really what, what gets you. Right. If you fall enough, you get hurt. Anyway. So, Thank you for calling on me, Mark. You're very welcome. So moving on to some more sad news. Voice actor William Ryan also died recently from cancer. William's voice can be heard in such films and shows as Mickey's Christmas Carol, American Tale, The Land Before Time, Morris Goes to School, Little Mermaid, Rockadoodle, Thumbelina, A Troll in Central Park, Looney Tunes Back in Action, Welcome to Pooh Corner, Wuzzles, I remember that show, Disney's Adventures of the Gummy Bears, I remember that show, Adventures of Teddy Ruxpin, DuckTales, Coverage the Cowardly Dog, Hi Hi Puffy Amayumi, and Mickey Mouse Fun House, just to name a few. Uh, he also was a spry 72 years old. Now, I know uh, not big on uh, voice actors, um, so I know Jenny Feldy would not be familiar with him, correct? Correct. Who am I familiar with? I'm like living under a rock. I don't know who anybody is. You know Mike Tyson. <laughs> I do know Mike Tyson. I do. Zay? I like Mike Tyson a lot. Yes, Zay? right. Uh, yeah, senior correspondent, Charlie Saladino. Are you familiar well, with Well, uh... un unfortunately, um, 
I do not know him. I would not know him because it seems like he worked on mostly Disney stuff. And you know where I stand on that. Yes. <laughs> you love Disney. Dominic. <laughs> yeah, so I'm looking, I am looking through his IMDb and I've definitely, not that I knew him as a voice actor, but you've heard I his definitely, work. I've heard, I like Garfield and Friends. I used to love Garfield and Friends. Um, he's been in the Smurfs. So I definitely, when I was a kid, saw, saw that. Um, DuckTales. Uh, yeah. These are all things that I watched as a child. So right. I, I definitely am, even not knowing it, I'm familiar with his work. Right. So moving on for some even more sad news. Oh, God, man. Uh, actor Joey Morgan also died recently. And as of this recording, which is uh, November 24th, uh, 2021, no cause of death has been announced. While Joey appeared in a few TV shows and films, most recently that of Christopher in the Critters TV series based on the movies of the same name, I, meaning Mark, remember him most from his very first acting gig of Walter in The Scout's Guide to Zombie Apocalypse, which was a little film that had no right to be enjoyable as it was. Uh, he, play, he played the friend, and he was one of the three scouts. It was just really good. It was really enjoyable, and surprisingly so. Like, you hear this movie, like, ah, but you went there, and, and he, he stole the show. So um, he died recently. Did you guys see Zombie Scouts, uh, A Scout's Guide to Zombie Apocalypse? I know Dominic is not a horror fan, so he didn't see it. I have not seen any of this guy's work, unfortunately, but I just feel bad because he's he was 28. Yes, he was a young 28. A very young 28, yeah. Wow. Um, Charlie, What's the you... old 28? <laughs> oh, that's when your soul is old. Ah. Uh, uh. So moving on to the last bit of sad news. Last bit of sad news. Oh, Finally. will you stop it? It's Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, yeah, really. I'm not, I'm not thankful for the news. Actor Lou... <laughs> Kutel, C-U-T-E-L-L, also died recently, and also uh, no cause of death has been announced. While Lou appeared in a slew of films, such as Frankenstein Meets the Space Monster, Every Little Crook and Nanny, The Blue Knight, The World's Greatest Lover, Foul Play, Last Word, The Black Marvel, Legal Eagles, Malibu Bikini Shop, I remember that movie, The Diamond Trap, My Mom's a Werewolf, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Jimmy Hollywood, Unstrung Heroes, Norma Jean and Marilyn, and The Wedding Crashers, just to name a few, I, meaning once again Mark, remember him as Amazing Larry in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> He was a, uh, a, I guess, a, a spry, super spry, 91 years old. Whoa. So if you guys were ever seen Pee-wee's Big Adventure? No. A long time ago. No. Crickets. No. <laughs> well, all right. Well, he was just one of the many characters in the film. That's, that's the best I can, I'm going to go with. He was one of the many characters in the film, and I remember him in that. What I remember him in, Oh, he did Seinfeld. And I'm watching, uh, I'm looking at he IMDb. Played, I, I saw a lot of that. Yeah, he played Dr. Howard Cooperman. I know this because I'm looking it up on on IMDb. And he played it in the Fusili Jerry. That's the one where they're talking about proctologists. And Kramer oh. says, like, if you ever meet a proctologist at a, at a party, latch on. You're going to hear the best, the best stories. They're all hilarious. <laughs> said, and they always end the same way. A million to one shot, Doc. A million to one shot, and that's the one where Kramer—I won't say it—but he's got he got a very special uh, vanity plate, and oh, he yeah. was able to park in Doctor Parking, and he just points to the vanity plate and says, uh, "Doctor Cosmo Kramer, proctologist," and the security guard just laughs and goes, "Of course, of course." So yeah. I can say I am familiar with this gentleman's work. Huh, he's, all right, I, uh, I could say the. Uh... <laughs> 
the license plate. <laughs> but I won't because Mark will have a fit. Yes, we'll have to. We'll this have guy, to bleed you with like Jennifer's a, butt. <laughs> he was definitely a staple of like '90s and 2000s television, having been in How I Met Your Mother and. Yeah, he's uh, been in a lot, a lot, a lot of, stuff. of things without a trace. Curb your enthusiasm doesn't shock me because Larry David, but yeah, it's uh he was he was great. He was great in that like he only had like a line, but he he was great in in Seinfeld in that moment. Right. So moving on to the not as sad news. Thank God. From the oh my God. ultimate fanfic department. For those of you who aren't aware. None other than comics legend John Byrne has been writing, penciling, and lettering a non-canon, non-commissioned, non-Marvel X-Men story dubbed X-Men Elsewhere for free online. And he's up to issue 28. So that means he's been doing this for 28 months. Um, According to John himself, what started out as a fun little project has turned to a full-fledged story. So this brings into many questions for the like of IP fan creations, and work for hire. This is a situation where a person who is known for creating and working on said book is doing his own story, not commissioned by the people, and giving it away for free. So where does the line draw? Like, what do you guys think of, of that? So basically, it's like if you are uh, – well, Jen, Jen you're, you're an actress. So let's say you make mm-hmm. a movie, and you write, direct this movie, right? Mm-hmm. And you and you get a, an actor, and the actor's like the you know a great becomes a huge Hollywood star in this movie, and then mm-hmm. that person goes online and makes little videos of himself in that character for free. Mm. Well, if I invented the character, now they're using the character that I invented. Different. If they invented the character, something else, kind of like Elvira, like Elvira. As far as I know, she invented her own character. Right, she invented it and she owns everything. And she got the rights to it because they were dumb enough to be like, yeah, sure, whatever. Maybe they didn't think it was going to be successful. But if they created the character for her and then she ran with it, different. So, um, yeah, it depends who created it. I think the person who created the character should be the one who owns it. But it's not about owning because he's giving it away for free. So it's like fan art. So, mm. you see what I'm saying? So, Dominic, what do you say so as a comic book guy? Yeah. What do you think? You know, it's it's interesting because they always gave advice. The big, you know, especially Marvel would say, like, you know, write your story, write your Batman story, write your Spider-Man story. But the implication was that when you write it and you put it out, that you don't actually call them Batman and Spider-Man. They're like, just take our take the character that's established, write your version of them, just give it a different look. And that will find you. Now, obviously, he doesn't need to be found because he's been he was doing X Men for for years, and he's already very established. I've, I have very mixed feelings. Like I'm glad he's giving it away for free. Strangely enough, because then he's really not messing around with the trademark property, right? You know, so like, all right, he did the smart thing. He's he's just writing what he wants to write about the X Men and penciling and doing everything. Um, so I don't, I don't feel like he's doing anything wrong. I just think it would have been smarter if he were to make it not the X Men exactly. Okay. What about you, Charlie? Well, what are you, what are your thoughts? Well, the the whole thing is he's not charging, so he's not making anything on it. He's not, uh, he's not doing anything. It's like if you, um, 
it's like if you show a baseball game to your friends, like you show them the the video of a game that was fabulous, and you had three, three, four, four of your friends in, and you show it to them. They don't pay you money for that, so it's it's really. But if you did get money for that, right? Then then that's another story. It's it's like it's also a little like um, never say never again with um, Sean Connery. They they took the books and they just made their own version. It was it right, was, but they but that was actually a movie movie, and they charged people for it. What I'm saying, oh. so actually, a perfect example. So let's say Sean Connery decided to make, if he was still alive, a web series of him playing James Bond, calling himself James Bond, doing James Bond stuff, getting all the other actors who were in the movies and putting it out there for free. See, that's where that's where it's like a super really gray right. area. So nobody, yeah, it is a very gray area, but nobody's well, no, making money. Nobody's paying to watch it. Nobody's getting paid right. for doing it. Correct. That, that, well, that's a terrible analogy because if he were to have done that, the Broccoli family and Eon Productions would have sued them no matter what. But they can't because, because there's nothing to sue for. No, I'm sure they could because they have the exclusive film rights. Believe me, they'd find something they could sue about. And in terms of Never Say Never Again, the reason that that movie was made, because Kevin McElroy, who helped sort of write Thunderball with... Um, he, he owned the, the script. He, he like sort that. of owned it. He, he had partial credit because he and Ian Fleming got drunk one night in Jamaica <laughs> and came up with the idea of like, how cool would it be if Bond had an adventure in underwater and with scuba gear? So he always was able to press the rights to it and get involved in it. And it's the only time where uh, Broccoli and I forgot who his partner was off the top of my head, were executive producers, not producers of Thunderball. So he always had some rights to do Thunderball. And he was always trying to get that to happen. But the legal battles went on for like 30, 40 years. So I oh. think the guy finally died. I'm just saying it's a bad analogy. <laughs> No, actually, it's, 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 it's sort of along the ways. Like I said, uh, not for that sort particular of, but... movie, but I'm just saying if he went and did something on their own. Uh, I think the right. best example would be uh, what happened with um, Star Trek. I believe it was called Axanar. It was a fan film for Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And, and the guy, he got actors from the Star Trek series to be those characters. He got special effects guys from who did the series to be mm-hmm. special effects. He did it all for free. They did it all for free. They made it for free. But then he turned it into a uh, crowdfunding thing, and he started selling merchandise. And the movie, that production, made more money than actual movie (laughs) that Paramount was producing. Right. And that's when the legal suits came down, and that's when all the stuff came down. So once it was money involved. Money gets involved, yeah. But it's so weird seeing that this guy who has worked on a property – is now doing his own thing on the same property exactly as if he had never quit, but he's giving it away for free. It's it's so gray. It's, it's so because, It's because he's making no money. You're right. You can't really sue him because he's not actually profiting right. off of it. Right. It's, it's like when Thomas Jane did a short film called Laundry Day. Right. But he didn't use the rain punisher or anything. But let's say he did. But That's... there was but <laughs> there was the, the skull. there was the t shirt in right. there, right? Yes. So it's the same sort of thing. And somehow he got Ron Perlman to be in it. Yes. So... That's what I'm saying. So it's it's a really, really, really gray area. 
Uh, yeah. Jen, do you want to have a final thought on that uh, whole thing? Yeah, I wouldn't appreciate it if I came up with a character and then someone else is running with it. Nah, I, I, money, no, money wouldn't be the defining factor for me. It's the principle. So you would think this guy's uh, doing wrong for doing that? Well, I, I would want someone to take permission. You know, if I invented something and you want to use it, just ask me. So the if thing there's is, permission, at this point, sure. The thing is, at, at this point, the people that he could ask are dead. <laughs> This oh, is true. this is true. Well, Jen, I mean, he would, they would have to go ask Disney, and Disney's going to be like, no, which is funny. Basically, as a, as a yeah. footnote, he actually took the idea to, once it was on its, you know, got legs, he took it mm. to Marvel and be like, hey, look what I got. Let's publish it. And they're like, nah, we don't want to. <laughs> so, look, in my opinion, he did the right thing. He's like, hey, the people want this. Do you want to publish it? And they're like, no. Then it's like, all right, well, I'll just keep publishing it myself online. It's, it's like so... he gave them the chance. It's so weird and so so gray area. It's mind-boggling. Yeah. Well, well, Jen, Jen, mm-hmm. you you invented something that somebody took away from you. So, energy. Oh, yeah. right, J-Well, right. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe it could be coincidence, you know. I don't know. I had a lot of people messaging me about that. Actually, had someone tried to steal my entire health guidebook and market it as an online program. That was interesting. <laughs> but once again, that's that's a money thing. <laughs> So yeah. let's say they did it for free. There's no legal ground to stand on. It's so weird. Well, it really, there's no legal ground to stand on if someone's not making money. Well, what are you gonna? What are you? What are your damages? What are you suing for? Yeah. Well, How I mean, are they damaging thing, you? once once they put it out, now someone else can take their idea and then they can steal it. You know. Well, yeah. So that's what I would say. <laughs> but it's still not damages. Yeah. There's it's not a, a legal case. It might, you know, we're we're talking legal, not legal. Moral, not moral, right and wrong. It's right. Just, like I said, it's a huge gray area. Right, right. So I can tell you this: looking at the panels and everything, it's a, this it's, is like it's yes, yes. And it's a master class in penciling alone. Yes, yes. Isn't that um, wild? And it, it's it's it's, off, it's so amazing because usually when you have writers at writers pencilers, people who can do both, they're usually better on one side or the other. But oh this my is, God, this is freaking John Byrne. Yes, are, are amazing. Like this. Yes, this is John Byrne. Yes, yeah, <laughs> of course, it's so good. I can't. What I think is the stupidest thing is that Marvel's like, no, nah, we're not going to put it out. It's just one of those things. It's like it's a complete comic. Yes, it's a completely twenty twenty eight of them <laughs> that you could put out two trade paperbacks immediately right now. Yeah, it needs inking and color. That's it. You can hire someone to do that. No problem. Like, so, the, yeah. I think they're, look, Marvel, if they wanted to sue or Disney, they have no leg to stand on, in my opinion, now, because it's like, I offered it to you. You can have just, it whenever you want. Just pay me and I'll give you the, I'll give you the work. It's just so crazy. It's just one of those weird things. But I thought it yeah. would be something that we can mention. But we have one last bit of news item. So let's move on. Uh, from the willing to sacrifice what you, for what you believe in department. Longtime soap star, Steve Burton, who, beyond being in the show Out of This World as a kid, which I loved, has appeared in General Hospital from 1991 to 2021, taking a break from 2013 to 2017 to appear on The Young and the Restless, has been fired off of the aforementioned series due to his refusal to take a COVID vaccine, which the series has mandated for all of his actors. Steve says, I wanted you to hear from me personally. Unfortunately, General Hospital has let me go because of the vaccine mandate. I did apply for medical and religious exemptions, and both of which were denied, which you know hurts. But this is also about personal freedom to me. Maybe one day, if the mandate to lift it, I can return and finish my career as Jason Morgan. That would be an honor. 
Uh, Steve's character was last seen buried under a tunnel in a, in a tunnel collapse. And um, of note, this wouldn't be the first time the role had been recast as another actor took up the role when Steve went off to be on The Young and the Restless. Now, Dominic, I know you did say you were a, a Young and the Restless fan. And were you a, a General Hospital fan as well? Never got into ABC soaps. I don't know. I guess it's like religion or something. <laughs> uh, it's like down south. You either drive a Chevy or a Ford. And if you come from the wrong family, you switch sides. Like, we don't know him anymore. Right. But uh, no, but I remember him on The Young and the Restless. I, actually, the first thing I ever saw him in was the Robert Redford movie, The Last Castle. Oh. With James Gandolfini. And that had... If everyone's ever seen it, go watch it because there's a lot of great young up and coming talent that if you watch that movie, you're like, oh, that guy's in it. That guy's in it. That guy, Mark Ruffalo's in it. Wow. Um, so, but I, I'm recognizing the guy. I've heard that this is happening. Actors now, they're, they're refusing to get the vaccine for the, for the mandates. Right. I always feel this that when, when people are making this stand that they don't want to get this vaccine, that for the most, I mean, yes, you have people who, like Nicki Minaj's cousin said something happened to them medically. But in reality, I think what it is is that they just, they're not against the vaccine. They're not anti-science. This is just my opinion. They're against a mandate telling them what they have to go do with their body and their health, which should they feel should be between them and their doctor. Yeah. And so, if their doctor's telling them like, mm, maybe you shouldn't get this one just yet, Steve, who is, uh, who is ABC Disney to tell this person how he should to countermand his doctor's orders. So Charlie, you actually that was your one of your souls, right? General Hospital? Uh no. That was in California, but <sighs> it was on our, our station. But uh I agree with Dominic. I, I think um people are more aggravated with the mandate than the actual uh act of getting the vaccine. You know, so uh, disagree. <laughs> so you you think he should have uh, just taken the vaccine and, and kept the job, Jen? Um, no, I don't think people are are just standing up for the mandates. I think that there's a lot of people that actually know someone whose life has been ruined. I know about a dozen, or, or and my dad knows about oh. three dozen people whose lives have been totally ruined. So um, no, I don't think people are standing up against the mandate. I think they're standing up for their actual health. Uh, I, that's my I, I agree with that too. I'm just yeah. saying, like, if it wasn't mandated, you wouldn't have like this whole issue in terms of being a public thing, right? If there wasn't a mandate, you have to go get it. Then it wouldn't. I mean, people like, uh, I just don't think it's for me, and like everyone would leave it alone. It's the mandate itself that people I, I really, mean, really, but so uh, yeah. are against because I, it's, I, I think it's a it's it's weird that. He had this job for a long time, and you know, and I've always talked about how people don't have a what is it ethics and morals, and they don't stand their ground. And this guy, he's standing his ground for what he believes in, whether right, wrong, or indifferent. Yeah. I, I have to, I, yeah, I have to respect him for for standing up what he believes yeah. in. I'm like, wow, you know, that's that's pretty darn amazing for me, for an actor. As, as I've know. always said, you know, if something's wrong and they don't like it, they're going to stand up for it. And I always I say how they don't. A lot of times, and then they wait till stuff happens later. But this is a, a an interesting thing. God willing, he like he. I think they make pretty good money on soaps. One of the great things, not that you're not making big, big, big bucks like you would in, in blockbusters, but usually if you're on one for like so long, you're making a steady paycheck. You got yeah. a good. It's as close to a nine to five job as an actor can get. Yeah, you're so, making good money. 
hopefully he's saved his money, he's invested it well. And he's like, you know, it, in some ways, it's kind of part of the, what they call the great resignation. If he's mm-hmm. lucky, he's like, nope, I don't, I've, I've loved doing this job. I'd love to come back to the job, but I'm going to be fine financially. I yeah. hope. Yeah, hopefully. hopefully. Yeah. So we have less hopefully than there's a, a lot of people who will be okay financially. Yeah, I know. So we have less than a minute to go. So uh, final thoughts. Let's see. Uh, Charlie Saladin, Sudo Corner's father, Charlie Saladin. Do you have a final thought for us? Yes, I want everybody to have a happy and safe Thanksgiving tomorrow or whenever this show is. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving for the next Thanksgiving because it will air after Thanksgiving is fast. For the next year. Either I'm late or I'm early. So that's true. Uh, (laughs) Fishy sarcasm is Dominic Definition Airfinal. That's my thought. Uh, I'm going to assume that this will air sometime before Christmas. So happy (laughs) holiday season to everyone. and (laughs) And check out my Etsy store. Etsy.com backslash Sperano Arts. Just look for me and buy pottery because I'm poor. All right. <laughs> Jenny Feldy, final thought for this segment? Uh, I, I look forward to one day being thankful for speaking the truth and not being punished for it. And I hope that happens sometime in my lifetime. That's my final thought. Oh, and I'm going to piggyback on Thank that, you. Jenny. I'm going to piggyback on that, Jenny. Uh, I'm going to say that uh, something I said the other day. So it's my final thought, which I hardly ever do on a new segment. Um, there's a difference between the facts and the truth. And the sad thing is that we'll probably never know what the truth really is. So with that, mm. we're going to take our break and we'll be right back with the game from the radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or a product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. This month at Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin. Get ready for the Marvel event Devil's Reign. And from DC Comics comes Justice League Incarnate. And from Image Comics and the mind of Todd McFarlane, it's Spawn Scorched number one. All December at Cosmic Comics, you get the gift of 10% off your purchase when you say Huracan at checkout. Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin is open Wednesday from noon to eight, Thursday from 2 to 7, Saturday and Sunday from noon to 5. That's Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin, located 846 Merrick Road in Baldwin, New York. Call us at 516-763-1133. Happy holidays from Cosmic Comics. My neural net processor is linked to sci-fi.radio. The sci-fi for my Wi-Fi. The more I listen, the more I learn. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jay Bird and Lee, and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. Today, we're going to talk about Thanksgiving. Yes, Thanksgiving that happened. (laughs) (laughs) So we wanted to talk about how we got the whole family together, right? Mm -hmm. And basically we had about two small turkeys that served four apiece because... Of the turkey dilemma we had. Turkey debacle (laughs) that our family came across a couple weeks ago. Well, not even a week... Two weeks before. Yeah. So. It's, it was so funny how, like, our family was arguing over turkeys. Well, we were <laughs> arguing over, like, which Thanksgiving's all about arguing, right? <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, Thanksgiving should be light and fun and thank- everything's thankful. Meanwhile, we're arguing over turkeys and how many pies we should have and what type of pies we should have. Right, that's right. So, well, we were talking about the turkeys first. So, originally, we were going to order a turkey for seven because even though there are about 16 of us, yeah, only half of us kind of eat turkey and weren't going to eat turkey. Mm-hmm. So... 
um, somebody decided to go order the turkey a little late and found out that it was sold out. So we had to go and get the four, the turkey for four, which was not enough. So then guess who stepped in? My mom? Grandma. Oh. <laughs> Grandma stepped in and said, what are you guys doing? You need to order a bigger turkey. Yeah, so, and... <laughs> and she ordered another turkey. So we have two small turkeys for four, which will should feed eight people. And, uh... Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty funny. All right, and the pie issue, of course. Mm-hmm. So basically, uh... We were making like four pies, two pudding pies and uh, a pecan pie, then a pumpkin pie. And um, then we found out another one of our family members ordered those exact two pies and wouldn't change it. That's right. So they were like, well, let's have a pie eating contest. <laughs> Which is doesn't make sense because you know like, I rather have like a variety of like eight different pies. <laughs> right, which is excessive anyway. Yeah, eight I mean it's pies. a little bit much. We were like, why don't you just switch one of the pies out instead of um two pumpkins to have one blueberry? Yeah. And they were like, Nope, not gonna happen. So what wound up happening with that? Well, so basically, they did cancel the one pumpkin pie, but didn't replace it with a blueberry. Somebody else brought a blueberry, and that's kind of so. How it did they replace it or just cancel it? They canceled that one pie, so I still had to make I... a pecan <sighs> pie because apparently two pecan pies is what goes in our family. But, I guess for um, comparison, it's just yeah. And the other one was from a <laughs> like, bakery. Hmm, I wonder which will be better. <laughs> right, well, I think the one from the bakery was not as good, so, you know. <laughs> ah, some competition with the bakery chefs. <laughs> yes, maybe. Well, personally, I was the one making the pie, so, you know, it all worked out that way. Mm -hmm. But overall, I think we got a lot of people um, who, came, who came, 16 people. Um, and it was, it was a good night. There was a huge spread of, spread of dessert. Oh my God, desserts. I can't speak. But. Yes, <laughs> huge, yes, seven or eight pies. We got um, cookies that came. Then we got, um, for the food, right? You had, yeah. um, we got meatballs, sweet and sour meatballs that your mom made. Ooh. Uh, uh, vegetable soup. Vegetable soup your mom made. Um, um, what else? Probably the chicken soup. <laughs> no, no, just the two, no, no other soup. The two turkeys, small turkeys. Uh, chicken fingers, I think we were making, getting chicken fingers. Oh. And then all the sides, the fixins, which some people... That's really usually like. what the, uh, height of Thanksgiving is, the fixins. Yeah, I think so, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Your mac and cheese and, and, uh... Mom likes a sweet potato casserole thing that Grandma makes. Oh, right, a sweet potato casserole. Mm -hmm. Do you like that? It's not bad. I like more of the candied... Uh, sweet potatoes, candied though. yams. I think yeah. they call it. Oh, all right. I like yeah, those that, better. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So overall, Thanksgiving is a success with a couple of weird hiccups. Yep. <laughs> and I hope your uh, guys was a great Thanksgiving too. Mm -hmm. um, I hope you had plenty of turkey. <laughs> and if, if you, you like it, if you need pie, give us a call. We'll give you some. <laughs> stay right. safe, stay healthy, and stay connected. Mm -hmm.
The Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. This is Brian Downey, Stanley Tweedle from the TV series Lex, and you're listening to It Came From Radio. Now, back to our show. Hi, this is Charlie Saladino from It Came From The Radio. I am at the Hurricane, and I'm here with Jay Lipson, who is the most amazing, one of the most amazing artists at this con. Jay, how are you? I'm great. How you been? Little slice of heaven. Listen, Jay, I want you to talk to me about your artwork here. This is the most amazing stuff I've ever seen. Oh, thanks a lot. Well, you know, I've been in the industry for a while, as you know, because it's from your show. Uh, had to take a bit of a hiatus, had back surgery last year, but, you know, back into it and slowly getting into it and continuing the artwork, as always. You know, got to plug away. So now this, this new stuff that I see here, it's sort of like a, a metallic uh, type artwork. What is, what is this about? Well, they're metallic prints. I started carrying them just before uh, 2020 started. I have bookmarks, I have uh, comic book size prints, and then I have 11 by 17 prints. Yeah, they're amazing. Uh, we will, you will see that on our uh, our show page. I'm taking pictures. So, uh, Jay, what have you been uh, up to besides this artwork? What's going on uh, in your world? Well, this year I went a little bit light, as I said, because I had the back surgery. So all I've been doing is taking commissions, which you can reach me through my Instagram or through drawnbyjay at gmail.com. Uh, that's really it right now. Uh, next year I'm going to be a little bit more involved. I, you know, I'm feeling better, so now's the time to push forward. It's nice that we're all coming back little by little. Yeah, it is. It, I, it's been a tough time, and I understand some people are a little hesitant, and other people are not. But you know, you gotta do whatever is comfortable for you. Right. I mean, Dave is Dave is uh, uh, Dave Donovan, who's running the show. I mean, he has everything. This is, has to be the safest environment uh, I've seen. Oh, Dave's wonderful. I did the one that they had a couple of years ago. You know, they walk around, they ask you if you need a water, if you don't want somebody to watch your table so you can step away for a little bit. You know, he, he really makes it, he makes you feel like you're part of the family. Yeah, he's amazing. Jay, I want to thank you for doing this interview with us. Uh, but before we go, uh, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at Lipson Art, or you can find me on Facebook at Jay Lipson. Beautiful, Jay. Thank you so much once again. Jay Lipson, uh, one of our uh, good friends of the show, and uh, thanks for talking to us. Anytime. It's great seeing you again. Same here. Mark, back to you. Ever wanted to enter the world of comics but didn't know where to start? Worry not, true believers. We at the Comic Book School may just have the answer to your questions. Created by comics veteran Buddy Scalera, the Comic Book School is a free online educational resource that helps rising creators learn the craft and business of making comics through resources like forums, interviews, publication opportunities, publisher guidelines, and step-by-step -step blog posts. For more info, please visit our site at www.comicbookschool.com. Be sure to join our forums and follow us on social media while you're there. We'll see you on the message boards. Now, back to our show. 
And welcome back to It Came From Radio, the official of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking. With me, we have two awesome ladies, um, virtual distancing, of course. From the, uh, we have Desiree Proctor. Hi. And Erica Harnell. Hello. Now, you guys are um, for this new comic book that's, uh, it's actually a graphic novel that's come out that you guys already made the project before, correct? Yes. Um, it just we did like, it was six issues and they started being released digitally um, back in March. And then the trade paperback um, officially was published in October of this year. All right. So let's just get to the basics. I want you to do a brief introduction of each of you and then we'll take it from there. Uh, well, I am Desiree Proctor. Um, I come from like a multi-generational military family and who eventually like we, my dad retired, we moved to Florida and that's how I got connected with Erica. We went to the same college and, you know, we both had an interest in um, writing and comics and we would go to Comic-Con together in Los Angeles once we moved out to LA after college. Um, and so, you know, we've always been interested in writing and uh, we've written for television, comic books, um, movies. I feel like you name it, video games, we've done it. Um, so I, I feel like I'm taking over your bio, Erica. <laughs> yeah, I was born and raised in Florida. Uh, my mom came over, um, to the United States from Cuba in like the early seventies. And because of, uh, my mom coming from Cuba and Desiree's mom also being half Cuban, we were really inspired by, you know, our heritage and the Cuban missile crisis in the comic that we're talking to you about today, which is called nuclear power. So what, what point did you decide we're going to be writing partners? We're going to be working together on various projects. Or was it just one of you had this crazy idea and like, yeah, it's a good idea. I want part of that. It was, it was a little bit like that. Um, Desiree, when she had moved out to LA, she was writing plays for uh, the Los Angeles uh, Fringe Festival. And I was working with other writers and, and trying to pitch and get story ideas out there. And so very late one night, I had an idea and like texted Desiree and was like, hey, I have this idea, like, would you want to maybe work on this together? Because I feel like we would make a good partnership. And, you know, I was kind of coming at it more from a producing side, and she was coming at it more from like a writing side. And then she was like, well, you also have to write half of this, because that's a lot of work. <laughs> and, uh, and so we kind of started collaborating. That was on an, um, an animated pilot that we eventually sold to Amazon Studios. Yeah, wow. I didn't go to series, but... Um... It was called Fritter the, Fritter the Superpowered Hush Puppy. And, you know, because we love comics and can be very silly people, it was about a fried piece of food that has superpowers that fights like an evil frying pan. <laughs> you know, um, I want to see this. There must yeah. be some type of a script treatment out there that you can share. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do have, we actually do have like the scripts and everything. We went, it was like such a good process for us. We worked with Amazon Studios and like, pitched the idea to them and then like wrote like the pilot script and it didn't ultimately go to series, but it was like a good learning experience for us. So when yes. you write something like that, do you do the voices yourself in your head, what they all sound like when you're, when you're trying to pitch the idea? Pretty it's, much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Almost for any idea. But in that one in particular, we had a friend who was a composer, write music for us. Um, and then we kind of acted it out in dramatic radio-like voice so it was like a whole production number but 
even when we're writing other things like nuclear power or some of the features, we kind of will always do like a table read out loud of us kind of playing the various parts. Yeah, so, so it sounds like actual people talking, you know, not right. just writers writing. Right. So with nuclear power, it's it's a very um, serious uh, thing, complete opposite of what you just said. Yes. <laughs> yep. Is that something that you, you're sitting down and thinking, all right, we did this type of genre, we're going to go to this other type of genre, or was it just another idea just popped in your head and let's, let's just go for it? Yeah, it was kind of, you know, like I said, we were really inspired by the Cuban Missile Crisis and that point um, in history that hasn't really been explored a lot. And, you know, we were sort of, we love history as well as genre. So we were kind of like, let's make a mashup, something like when we describe it to people, we're like, this is like Handmaid's Tale meets X-Men, which kind of, you know, is very sort of dark and serious and, um, but it still has this kind of super powered element to it. Yeah, it wasn't like us saying like, let's write something dramatic next. It was, you know, this idea is something very interesting to us and it makes the most sense in this genre, in this tone, um, because we do like to jump between comedy and drama all the time, um, which drives like our reps crazy, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) So when you decided to sit down for this, um, for nuclear power, and you said, okay, this is the Cuban Missile Crisis, this is what we're going to do, this is we're going to take the alternate universe. Um, at what point in time, uh, what year was that when you decided to come up with the idea? Let's start with that. Oh my gosh, like four or five years ago okay. um, <laughs> is when we first like came up with the kernel of the idea. And as we started developing the story, you know, first we had a general idea of the story that we wanted to tell you know, a modern day and alt history on the Cuban Missile Crisis, if the bombs had fell and what the world, the United States would look like today. Um, and then we just, then we just did a bunch of research. Yes. You know? And we also like, we had just finished doing the DC Comics talent workshop, um, where we actually ended up meeting our artist, Lynn Yoshii, who did the DC Comics artist program. And, um, you know, we were able to, after like, us developing and working on the script and doing all the research, like Desiree said, like we were able to team up with Lynn and have her come on board to do all of the um, inking, all of the lettering, all of the coloring, and she did a fantastic job. Yeah. But yeah, we really wanted to tell a story um, about like, again, coming from our parents' experience after the Cuban Missile Crisis, where, you know, being Cubans in the United States was a very like dangerous time. Um, and they had to, like my, in the case of my mother and her family, kind of like go into hiding and become as American as possible because people were so afraid of something that was like different than them. So the idea behind our story is really kind of that theme of um, the new country that has formed in the ashes of World War III um, is like a more militaristic society and it's run by like the government and it's kind of modeled after how Cuba is today. Um, And there is this presence outside the country that is growing. And um, the, the government in the United, in the American union is trying to like eliminate that because they perceive these outsiders as a threat. So when you have, uh, something that's of historical significance and then you decide to make an alternate universe and then you do all this research 
how who decides of the two of you which um, historical events that have actually happened would still happen or how are they changed? I would say that was kind of both of us, like really kind of saying, you know, the original, like the opening of our comic, like those were the actual battleships that were there present. And it was based on, you know, real people who were like participating within those like uh, 12 harrowing days in October. And so we read up a lot on like, you know, how close we came. And it came down to basically like one Soviet guy who refused to launch nuclear weapons at the United States that kind of saved us from this like World War III catastrophe. Um, So we're like, well, what if that one person hadn't been brave enough to stand up to his like commanding officers and kind of like speak his mind? So now um, the book is finished. It's a graphic novel. So was that the idea you had when you were going into it to make it a full beginning, middle, end story? Or was you just decided, let's do one issue and then another issue, another issue with an idea of how it, it was going to end? Well, we, when we were doing so much research on uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis and we saw like if the bombs had dropped, how this would have had like a global effect. And so originally when we had the idea we were like, oh my gosh, we could do something that's set in the United States and then do something that's set like in Russia and see the fallout there and then do something in like South America and see what happened there. Um, So, but eventually, you know, working with fan-based press, they helped us kind of like focus the idea on a smaller group of characters and just like this one story and, you know, maybe in the future, we'll go explore different parts of the world and see what's happening over there. One of the most important things I find is that when you do something of this magnitude, like um, an alternate universe, a political uh, story, you tend to have a message in there. And because of all the, um, what's, what's the term, um, fantastical elements around it, you can actually like, kind of like slip things in. Um, the best example I could think of just off the top of my head was when they made V. Are you guys old enough to remember V, the series? No. I'm not familiar with <laughs> I'm that. Familiar. Oh, boy. Um, the short version is, is that um, the guy wanted to – it was a TV series on NBC back in the old days. This shows how old I am. And <laughs> he wanted to talk about um, the Jewish and the occupations in Nazi Germany, but that wouldn't float as a series. So what mm-hmm. he decided to do is make, it, make them aliens. And so yes. because they were aliens, he was able to slip all these things in that had like real meat and bones to it. So my question was, was that something that you also thought about? Because making Fantastical is able to give you a, a more powerful, more meaningful message that you couldn't necessarily do if it was um, not Fantastical. A hundred percent. We definitely went with that approach because, you know, when the Cuban Missile Crisis happened in 1962, this was like the st- start of the civil rights movement so if the bombs had actually gone off the civil rights movement probably wouldn't have happened um the women's rights movement in the 70s wouldn't have happened happened and so using um making the story more fantastical enabled us to like have a lot of talk about those issues without really talking about like just focus on have that stand in for everything (laughs) everything that wouldn't have happened if the bombs had actually gone off and then as we were writing it kind of real news events from 
today we're like almost you know paralleling the story that we were telling and we were like we didn't mean for this to happen <laughs> like there was lots of women's rights issues issues around abortion there's issues around um you know nuclear war again with north korea there was a lot going on that we were like oh my gosh this is the thing that we're happened to have already been writing about um is now in the news again yes so does that make you force you to change it or to be like hey we're right on track let's keep on going we just kept going with it. I mean, we didn't, um, we didn't change the direction of our story. We just, for us, you know, we've always written other people's ideas, whether it's like adapting, a, adapting a walking dead into a video game or writing somebody else's show. And this comic was our opportunity to like write something in our own voice. Um, and so we didn't really let anything like change that or take us off that path. All right, so we have less than two minutes to go. So it's social media time. Where can people find out more about the book? Where can they contact you guys? Go. Yeah, we are. Um, our comic book is found at nuclearpowercomic.com. It's being released through Fanbase Press, which is like an incredible indie publisher. Um, they were nominated for their first Eisner Award, I think, two years ago. Um, so nuclearpowercomic.com. And I'm also on Twitter at Erica Harrell. And I'm on Instagram at, at Desire all right, so we have a minute and change, so we're going to wrap this up with some final thoughts. So, Erica, do you have a final thought for us, for our listeners? <laughs> well, thank you so much, and we hope that, you know, some people will check out our comic and enjoy it. And um, whether you're interested in history or superheroes or, you know, the Cuban Missile Crisis, um, we, th we hope that you would enjoy the read and enjoy going on this journey with us. Final thought, Desiree? I'm just going to second that opinion. You know, if you like spy thrillers, you like alt history, you're fascinated with the Cold War, and you're like, and you love amazing artwork. I mean, Lin Yoshii's work in this is incredible. You'll enjoy nuclear power. All right. So my final thought is this. Thank you, ladies, so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Um, we actually are going to do a book on Baston segment, which we're going to review the book um, in a future episode. But I want to thank you very much and much continued success. And when you have your next project, come back on and tell us more about it. Absolutely. Thank, thank you. you so much for having us. So with that, we're going to take our break and we'll be right back with the Chain from the Radio. Hi, this is Ellen Dubin, star of Lex, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Keep listening. Hey guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C-K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631-606-8166. Me Grimlock having fun on It Came From The Radio. Me Greg Berger also. Hello, radio listeners. What are you thinking? We want to hear from you. What's working for you? What things would you like to hear more about? Write us your thoughts. Or you can buy us a pizza. Just go to our website, www.itcamefromradio.com, and click on the Buy Us a Pizza link. Leave your comment there. And we'll read them on video. Hi guys, this is Xenia Seberg, who played Zev on the show Lex, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. 
the Pertach. If you had any honor, you would listen to Sci-Fi.Radio, the sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. Kapla! Now, back to our show. So that about does it for this week on the Came From the Radio. Join us right here any week on this radio station. If you miss any part of this show, tough. Go to our website, www.camefromradio.com. Listen to archives we up in a week or so. Check us out on such places such as btdradio.com or our social media pages such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And always follow the cost-benefit ratio. If the benefits outweigh the costs, do it. If the costs outweigh the benefits, don't do it. Or just Google, it came from the radio. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.